Okay, a show of hands. How many of you identify yourself as a uh, rule follower? About half the room. Well, more than half. So can I assume that those who did not raise their hands tend to question the rules before following? <laughs> so it depends. Well, how about these rules? Topeka, Kansas. It is illegal to scream inside of a haunted house, which is the perfect time of year for this. Can you imagine going to a haunted house and being uh, fined if you were to scream? Violating this law can result in a disorderly conduct charge, a classy misdemeanor, one month in prison, and a $500 fine. You wonder why these rules are in place in the first place. In South Dakota, it is illegal to fall asleep in a cheese factory. And you know some the story behind why that rule is in place. In Los Angeles, this is a weird one. Dogs cannot mate within 500 feet of a church or the owner could face six months in jail and a $500 fine. This is a really weird one. In Connecticut, a pickle must be able to bounce. If the pickle does not bounce, it was assumed that it was not safe for consumption. And if your pickle does not bounce, if you are a pickle producer, you will be fined and face jail time. Why are these laws in place? They seem absolutely ridiculous. Surely they serve some purpose in some random situation, but they're not very relevant anymore. We have rules to help us figure out how to live together because living with other people is really hard, challenging, difficult, sometimes annoying, sometimes wonderful and beautiful, and it feels like the very purpose of life is found when we are really living together in a meaningful way. Rules help us do that. Some rules help, some rules hurt, some are just absolutely ridiculous, like whether or not your pickles bounce. <laughs> Where should the basis of these rules come from? So how do we determine how to live life together? How do we arrange our lives together? In the fifth century, Rome had fallen. Oh, there's a picture of it right there, pickle. One way of determining a pickle's fitness for consumption is to see if it bounces. You all can try that at home today. In the fifth century, Rome was destroyed. Rome was the center of the whole world. Um, it was a symbol of progression, um, of peace in the world, and it had been destroyed. Thousands of Christians during this time in the 5th century fled the cities and they kind of formed these monastic communities where they just figured out how to live the way of Jesus together. And one of these monks was named Benedict. Think Eggs Benedict. Maybe that's where we get the name. He left Rome. He fled to the Italian countryside looking for a more meaningful way of life because the world was so chaotic in the cities. And we are experiencing our own form of chaos in our world, with COVID-19, with racism, political unrest, with an upcoming election. I am about ready to flee to the countryside. I've heard a lot of people talk about moving to Canada. Um, they won't let us in, but some people are talking about if, if things go down, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? People are scared. People are really scared. We're in a strange moment. Um, we're kind of in this weird threshold, like a liminal space of moving from one way of life 
that we probably won't go back to in the same way to something that's completely different. And we're kind of in this in-between where we don't know what the different is going to look like. I'm encouraged by some of the Gaelic Celtic spirituality and Celtic Christians from uh, second, third, fourth century. They thought that this time of like a liminal space, a threshold, an in-between, they thought it was a sacred spiritual place. They thought it was the space that allowed the divine to enter our world. So what if this liminal space is an opportunity for the divine to enter our world. For us to reframe, how do we live life together? We've kind of been given, last week we talked about this opportunity to reset things on our lives, to hit the reset button, to kind of look at our practices and our routines, how we arrange our lives, and kind of look at it in a different way. We have opportunity to add, to take away, to change, to adjust. So Benedict created this rule of life for people who wanted to follow the way of Jesus after Rome had fallen. How are we going to arrange our lives? So it was kind of like a monastic handbook um, around how to live together with humility. Church historian Diana uh, Butler Bass said that they believe this rule of life would allow the external chaos of life to give way to an internally ordered soul. That following this rule of life would mean we can somehow transition from all of this chaos out here, we can find within us some kind of peace, some kind of sacredness. Diana Butler Bass writes that Christianity would not have survived the fall of Rome had it not been for this new way of ordering life together, these rules they lived by. And so early Christianity was made up of at the beginning, mostly Jewish people who had a lot of rules to follow. They were used to following rules. They, their Torah, their Old Testament, had 613 laws that they had to follow. Most kids who grew up Jewish had to memorize all of those. They knew exactly what they were. And some of them to us today seem absolutely ridiculous. So they were used to following rules. And so by the time Jesus came on the scene in the first century, he was seeing all of these added rules that religious people had just kind of added on top as a way to almost felt like control people and determine how they lived their lives. And Jesus said, if we could condense all 613 of these rules into one thing, what would it be? Matthew 7, Jesus says, So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up all of the law and the prophets. This is the essence of the 613 rules. This is really, if you had to follow one rule in life, what it all boils down to. Treat others how you want to be treated. And so this monastic rule of life, after the chaos of the fall of Rome, uh, what if we built communities around this rule? What if we actually treated people how we want to be treated? What if we actually treated ourselves how we want to be treated? Sure enough, in the first few centuries, there were pandemics in Rome, the Roman Empire that killed millions of people, and it was the Christians who stayed behind, started the first hospitals. They stayed behind to care for the sick because they thought, well, if I was in their shoes, I would want someone to take care of me, to help me, to show me love. So they did that. And Diana Butler Best is that bit best that that's why Christianity grew. Because people were actually figuring out how to do this, how to treat other people how they wanted to be treated. 
So how are we living together? So we're joining with the other mission-gathering churches across the country and looking at four of these rules of life that led some of those monastic communities who are experiencing the chaos of the fall of society. And the first rule that we're looking at today is live together. We commit to being in community with one another. We commit to being in relationship with, with one another, uh, in, both in the church and our neighbors outside the church. And 1 John 4 says, He has given us, Christ has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And right before that, he says, Anyone who hates their brother and sister is a liar if they claim that they love God. So if you say you're a good little Christian and you go to church and you love God, but then you say, I hate this person. That's bold words. He says, you're a liar. Because they recognize that, the early church recognized that how we treat one another, how we show love to one another is directly connected to how we treat and show love to God. And Christ said, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. It is a serious offense for the early church to hate someone. Colossians 3, Paul gives us kind of a good rule of thumb to live by about living together. Don't be selfish. Sorry, Philippians, letter to Philippi. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. Take an interest in others too. What would it look like for me in my conversations to not talk about myself so much, but to ask more questions, to listen more, to take an interest in others? Colossians, Paul says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What if you walked out the door every day, not only putting on your mask, but you put on compassion, patience, gentleness? What if we were a community, not us as mission gathering, but all of those around the world who claim to follow the way of Jesus? What if we were known for this, known for our gentleness, known for not talking so much about ourselves, known not for uh, our judgmental attitudes towards those who act or think differently, but known for taking an interest in them and understanding why they act and think differently. I'm kind of challenged right now to take an inventory of my own practices and how I do this and how I don't do this. I kind of own up to that the places where I'm not doing this very well. Part of this figuring out how to live together uh, includes looking at our history and looking at how we've lived together in the past and owning up when we have not lived this way. And I was reminded of this. Tomorrow is Indigenous Peoples Day in Washington and other places in the country. It's still known as Columbus Day. Chief Seattle, which we know of as Chief Seattle, he was the, the chief of the Suquamish and Duwamish tribes here in this area um, in the 19th century. 
And they named Seattle after him, after they took their land. <laughs> this is the only known picture we have of Chief Seattle. He said, I don't have this written down. Let me tell you, he said, all things share the same breath. The beast, the tree, the man. The air shares its spirit with all the life it supports. To live together means to recognize that all are connected. Everything is connected. He said, man does not weave this web of life. He is merely a strand of it. Whatever he does to the web, he does to himself. How you treat others is how you treat yourself. When you harm others, you harm yourself. To live together means to look at how we live together with all people and all things in this world. In 1855, Chief Seal is the first signer of a treaty with the federal government where they agreed to move to reservations. Um, the Duwamish, Suquamish people gave up 54,000 acres of land in this treaty. And uh, for some reason, mostly out of politics, um, the federal government today refuses to acknowledge the Duwamish people as a tribe. There are 573 tribes in, in the U.S. around there. Um, and they still refuse to acknowledge the Duwamish. So they, the, the chief Seal, Seattle of the Duwamish tribe, was the first signer of this treaty saying that we would be given this land to go to a reservation. And the federal government said we no longer see you as a tribe. So they're no longer able to receive health benefits and some of the benefits that other citizens of uh, the United States have. So Cecil Hansen was the chairwoman of the Duwamish tribe since 1975. And she said, they took all our land away and kicked us out of town, but we didn't leave. Just because you don't see us on some ugly reservation, we're still here. Looking at how we live together means we need to take an honest look at how we have treated each other in the past. So we do not repeat what we've done before. saw a post on Facebook that's a family member placed and they asked the question, what do you prefer, Columbus Day or Indigenous people? Just what should it be? They didn't say whether it should be either one and just looking at the comments. It's 50-50. Well, if you say it's not Columbus Day, you're erasing history. And others say, well, to say it's Columbus Day means to glorify someone who raped and pillaged and kicked people off their land. How are we treating people? What if we framed every conversation, political or not, with Matthew 7, the rule of life for Jesus? Treat others the way you want to be treated. That means I want to be treated, if, even if you don't agree with me on something, I at least would like you to try to understand why I think the way I do. So maybe a starting point is for me to ask questions to those who think differently and try to understand 
why they think the way they do. Treat others how you want to be treated. We did not treat indigenous people well in our country. And I think, and this is my personal opinion, <laughs> it doesn't have to be yours, I think we need to remember that. I think when we remember this, if we don't remember it, we are doomed to repeat it. So we just need to remember. And we need to look at our life now, our way of being, our way of being in the world as a society. Are we treating people the way they want to be treated? Are we living together in a way that leads to wholeness, to healing, to restoration? Or are we taking things? Are we still pillaging in different ways from people? So I want us to take a few moments um, before we close with communion and have uh, some group discussion around this topic. And I want you all to ask the question, how are we living life together now? What practices do you all have at home uh, to connect with one another in meaningful ways? What practices do you wish you had? Uh, what practices do you have that connects with your neighbors in meaningful ways? How do you interact with those with whom you disagree with? And what are ways to live together with them that models the way of Christ, the way of Jesus? So take a few minutes together and just process some of those questions together and, and listen to one another. And Mark's going to put on some fun music and we'll come back together in a few minutes for communion and Rob and Lisa will share a song. And then if you're at home, you can talk with the people around you there or process and take some notes about some of the ways you would like to arrange your life so we're living together in the way of Jesus. Thank you all. That song kind of hit me in a heavy way because I was kind of feeling heavy this morning and didn't, uh, didn't want to say anything about it because I didn't want to just cry in front of you and make everything heavy. But sometimes we need to share our heaviness. And so I was feeling some heaviness because I got a text from my dad this morning that my grandpa died. This morning. And it's okay to share that heaviness. So thanks for letting me do that. Uh, so thanks for being flexible with us through that because um, we got to see him a couple months ago and we're so grateful for that. And uh, we're going to try to go back for the funeral. So we may have to quarantine and move online for a few weeks. 
um, which is what we've been doing the past few months. So thank you all for being flexible with us for that. We will take communion now as a symbol of the body of Christ and the love of Christ. So when we take it and eat, it's like we're taking the way of Christ into us, into ourselves, into our way of being in our life. And so when Jesus was with his closest friends and he was sharing some heavy stuff with them, he knew he was going to die the next day. He was sharing some really heavy stuff. He took the bread and he, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And so we remember the life of Jesus to treat others how we want to be treated. So we eat together. He took the cup and he poured out the cup of wine. This is my love poured out for you. This is the new promise, a new way of being in the world, of loving God and loving one another. And so we drink and remember. Uh, as Teresa of Avila, Christian Spanish mystic from the 13th century, said, Christ has no body on earth now but yours. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the ears, the eyes, the mouth. Yours are the hands and feet, eyes, ears, mouth, and body of Christ to bring understanding, to respect, wholeness, and healing to our world. So may we do that well this week. May we do that with wisdom. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. Hopefully we'll see you next time here online.